0: Hmm.
1: Recorded live. Good morning, everyone.
0: Good, Good morning. Good Hello. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Uh oh, my heart just uh opened. Hearing your voice, Soki. <laughs> and Jen. We have a small group today. Um Martha is doing a family uh, has a fa- uh, christening. It's her nephews are getting christened, and um, I think or something Catholic. I don't know the ca- I maybe it's confirmation. I'm not sure. First uh, communion. It's one of those things happening, and Martha's there to support. And Le's father's birthday is today, so she's uh, with him. And then also to share that, uh, you know, Zach and I have been talking a lot and he's decided to step out, officially step out of the program. It's just been too much of a challenge for him. These classes, um, are begin at like 11 PM his time. Um, and so especially if it's like a ten thirty class, it starts at like 1 AM. <laughs> so, um, And we had been meeting one-on-one to review class stuff and things like that, but uh, it just became a little too challenging, and he didn't feel as though he could um, be as present as he wanted to be. And so I really honor that decision, and we send him love and light, and we'll pray him out um, at the end of class. And uh, I totally get it. Totally get it. Um, so I think everybody's here. Mark, I see you're here. Brandon, I see you're here. Jin, I see you're here. And I heard Divine Soki. so, um, why don't we begin with, I'm just going to ask, uh, open up, and we're going to do a little meditation and a prayer, and, and then we're going to, uh, uh, before we hop into our discussion today. Um, I'd just like to say, guys, that, uh, you know, I just reviewed everybody's forgiveness letter again, so it was fresh in my mind. And you guys really went there. I really appreciate how transparent and raw and, um, I don't like the word vulnerable anymore because I don't think that there is, you know, what is there to
2: attack us, really?
0: But just really, um, Good work. I feel like you rolled up your sleeves and you put it out there. Um, And we're going to talk about it because there were some common themes. Um, Except, Jen, just to make sure, did did you not turn in your forgiveness letter, Jen, or did I not see it?
3: Um, I did not turn it in. I came to class today with the letter that I wrote at the retreat. And a letter that I wrote to myself previously, but I didn't. I didn't get around to doing the homework.
0: Okay, <clears throat> cool. Thank you. Um, uh, all right, cool. So uh, I'm going to open up real quick and just see if there's any prayer requests, and uh, I'll put those fold those into our opening prayer. So uh, does anyone have anything that they'd like to to uh,
1: specifically that they'd like prayer on? Hey, it's Mark. Um, I'm going to throw into the circle. I
4: am um, heading home uh, this week, back to New York,
2: and uh, I really would love for it to be a joyful and loving experience.
1: Okay. All right. Jen, do you have any uh do you have a request? Um, you know, I'm uh um getting on
3: a boat and going into the middle of the ocean. So a prayer for just safety and uh safe travel.
1: Cool. Hey, it's Brandon.
2: Hi, Brandon.
5: Hi. Um This will be kind of intentionally vague, but just some prayers
1: around um, deciding, you know, what, just deciding what big
5: actions to take, which, which are in line with God or which are just, you know, Ego driving, I'm, I'm having, I'm really wanting some clarity around that before I make a couple of steps, before I take a couple of steps. To, um, and I want to make sure they're, um, you know, uh, pure intention steps.
1: Cool. Uh, and Soki. Hello,
6: can you hear me? Uh, I am in undergoing classes in Alpenis uh, class trading. I have enrolled and I am spending three hours a day studying and studying and studying. And uh, for the divine Holy Spirit to enlighten my mind, to be able to uh, grasp all the things, the wisdom and that I need to be able to. Be an independent feminist leader and uh,
1: towards my financial freedom. Okay. So, um, just real clear.
0: So, again, really speak into the phone for me so I can hear you really clearly. What What is the specific prayer request?
6: Uh, for, uh, intel, uh, wisdom and intelligence.
0: Hello? Okay. Wisdom and intelligence. I'll put that in the, <laughs> put that on the list. Cool. Thank you. Oh, you got it. <clears throat> okay, everyone. So let us pray and let us uh, just close our eyes and quiet our minds. And let's take a few deep breaths in. And observe the in-breath going into the lungs, transforming into the out-breath and
1: exhaling. (sighs) Let's do that two more times. One more time. And we're going to take five minutes to quiet our minds,
0: and we begin with that intention to quiet our mind, and we're going to take it a step further, and within this five minutes we're going to give ourselves the opportunity to just completely align with our Christ mind. We're going to completely align with Holy Spirit. And we're going to spend five minutes as Holy Spirit. We're going to spend five minutes in our enlightenment. And just feel how it feels to be a full expression of perfect light. And that's it. So five minutes. I'll set the clock. So please sit comfortably with your spine erect. Close your eyes. And we begin by creating the intention to quiet our mind,
1: quiet our mind, and begin. taking a deep breath of gratitude. So grateful.
0: Grateful to have this moment to just connect in with our heart space. Grateful to have the opportunity to connect in with the spiritual community. Grateful to quiet the mind, open the heart. Holy Spirit, we offer this time to you We invite you as our guide. And we place lovingly on the altar any concerns, any challenges, any relationships that feel strained or stressed,
4: any worry about career,
0: health, romance. We place on the altar we simply allow ourselves to spend the next hour and a half fully present, here, in love as love, removing the blocks to the awareness of the infinite presence of of love's presence,
1: the infinite presence of love. We give ourselves the gift of staying centered in our heart. We are grateful. And we remember the truth of who we are, extensions of perfect love, children of God.
0: And we acknowledge that each and every one of us is simply (laughs) God-godding. Expressions of perfection. We remember this as we send our brother Mark to New York, knowing that where he is, the light of the world is, knowing that he is so willing to be in peace, a representative of peace, affirming that where Mark is, healing is, that he is in his full truth, expressing brightly the healing power of love. Also knowing that where Jennifer is, is exactly where she's supposed to be. Knowing that she's surrounded by angels and light and love. Knowing that she is fulfilling her purpose.
1: Knowing that she is always right on time. Knowing that enlightenment dwells within Brandon, knowing that
0: he is so willing, so willing to be guided, acknowledging that his body is a vessel for divine wisdom to pour forth. He is willing to be a representative of that wisdom
1: and goes towards peace. He goes towards peace.
0: and also knowing that all the wisdom of the universe dwells within our sister Silky. The divine intelligence manifests through her decisions, expresses around her. We see the brilliance that is Silky. We honor it. We bow to it. And we bow to the brilliance within each and every one of us, knowing that where we are, God is. Where we are, all the beauty and intelligence and peace and creativity and abundance of the universe is here too. And so we allow it to pour forth as our life experience, releasing any idea of what we think the best case scenario is and we allow the greatest good to express freely, and we are willing to go forward without attachment, open, our hearts and minds open, in complete alignment with our heart's true desire, so we bless this time together as we remind each other of our truth, and so doing, we bless the planet, we bless the world, we bless all living beings, because we are one with them, and in grace and gratitude, we release this word, and we let it be.
2: And so it is. Amen, amen, amen.
0: Oh, so I'd like to share a story. So today I'm going to share a little bit. I'm going to read something out of a book that's not in our curriculum, Uh, something I'd like to share because I came upon it this week and it really helped me. Uh, And then we're going to open up the group to talk about the forgiveness letters, the homework. and talk about that experience. Then we'll take a little break and we'll dive into the Radical Forgiveness book a little bit. So today, uh, this week, a couple of days ago, I had a, um, uh, a spiritual counseling session with uh, my counselor. And... Uh, and it was so good. I was sort of um, feeling overwhelmed just with work and uh, feeling like, you know, typical story, you know, overwhelmed, under-supported, uh, under-appreciated, all that stuff,
1: all that wonderful stuff, undervalued. <laughs> and... uh and
0: I was sharing this with my counselor and she said, um, she said, well, do you feel like when you're working at Inspire that you're aligned with love, that you're supporting, you know, that you're supporting people in awakening to their, you know, their uh, truth, to love within their lives. Do you feel like you're you know, um, just in your groove and all of that. And I'm like, you know, I really do actually, for the most part. She goes, yeah, well, then why would you ever think that everything you need to make that happen wouldn't be made available if that's what you're supposed to be doing? And that made so much sense. It's like you're totally right. And then she went a little deeper and she said, well, you know, and let's talk about like why you're doing what you do. And where are you working from? And she made clear that most people believe that they have to prove their worth. We have to prove our worth by being successful. The more successful we are, the more we can prove how worthy we are of love. And she said, if you think that Inspire, your work, needs to be successful in order to prove that you're worthy of love, you will never feel worthy enough. And I was just like, I just stopped because it feels like something I know, but it seems like something I've just filed away to pull up again at a later time when I feel more successful. (laughs) But, like, today's the day. Today was the day. And I thought, you know, you are so right. And that made so much sense as to why, like, I take things
2: personally.
0: There's all this people pleasing. I always want to feel like I'm I'm successful, that everybody's so happy and that nothing's ever wrong and that we'll, you know, take care of it. And, uh, in doing that, I sort of lost, I can lose sight of what I'm really here to do, which is to awaken more to my, um, the truth of who I am, my spiritual, uh, truth. Um, and she reminded me, and it's something that Jennifer reminded me of years ago that, you know, true success is the love that's expressed, that's that's success. That's what we're here to do is to express love. And that's really it. And um, so if you're not feeling in alignment with that, if you're not feeling in love, then that's where you can let people out of the boxes that you keep them in. We did a couple of those exercises where people that I had in my mind as being challenging. You know, she says, okay, well, let's do some work around that. And we took them out of the box. There's one person in particular that I find to be like a real big complainer, always complaining about everything but not really doing anything about it. And so we took that person out of the box so they don't have to represent that anymore. And it was really healing. And when I took that person out of the box, I was able to see their full self, and I was able to fall in love with them again because I was only focused on one attribute that I was judging. And so we just did a lot of healing work around work, career, around purpose, around motivation, around, um, you know, this belief that there's something to prove to validate my existence here. Um, and it was really profound to me Um Because I realized I was definitely leading from a wound. Like, I needed this thing to be successful in order to feel worthy, in order to justify my decision at uh, putting down another career path to focus on this. And she also made clear, she goes, "And and if at any time you want to go back to television and as you're doing TV you're completely aligned with your heart and you are, you know, being a healing presence and you are um, you know, expressing God in your relationships, if you're expressing love, if you are open and to love, to receive love, and share that as well, she goes, then you're your completely aligned in your purpose if that's where you feel led to be. But that's what we're here to do, is to share love, to give and receive love. So I was reading in... Um, a Course of Love, which is uh, another book some believe to be the next installment of uh a Course in Miracles. I'm really getting a lot out of this. I really like the book. I'm going to read four paragraphs from this. So I invite you to really listen. Um, take some notes as I read. And this really um, helped me in my journey this week. So, I'm going to read a little bit. The further teachings of the original course were designed to turn fear into love. When you think you can go only so far and no further in your acceptance of the teachings of the course and the truth of yourself as God created you, you are abdicating love to fear. You are perhaps making this world a better place, but you are not abolishing it. In your acceptance of doing good works and being a good person, you are accepting ministry to those in hell rather than choosing heaven. You accept what you view as possible and reject what you perceive as impossible. You thus cling to the laws of man and reject the laws of God. You claim your human nature and reject your divine nature. What is this rejection but rejection of yourself? What is this rejection but fear masquerading as humility? What is this rejection but rejection of God? What is this but a rejection of miracles? You who have rejected yourself are likely to feel increasingly burdened. Although an initial burst of energy may have followed your reading of the course or your discoveries of other forms of truth, although you may even have experienced what seemed to be miracles happening to you, as you continued to reject yourself, uh, reject yourself, this energy and these experiences that lightened your heart would have begun to recede and to seem as distant and unreal as a mirage. All that you retain is a belief in effort and a struggle and a struggle to be good and to do good, a belief that clearly demonstrates that you have rejected who you are. O oh, child of God, you have no need to try at all, no need to be burdened or to grow tired and weary. You who want to accomplish much good in the world, realize that only you can be accomplished. You are here to awaken from your slumber, You are here not to awaken to the same world, a world that seems a little more sane than before, but still governed by insanity, a world in which it seems possible to help a few others, but certainly not all others, but to awaken to a new world. If all that you see changed within your world is a little less insanity than before, and you have not awakened but still are caught in the nightmare of your ego, that your ego has made, that the ego has made. By choosing to reject yourself, you have chosen to try to make sense of the nightmare rather than to awaken from it. This will never work. So this made me pause, and I really contemplated, where do I feel burdened? Where am I trying to fix something or make something a little less insane? And what's the solution in that? I used to judge Reverend Jennifer so much because she just didn't watch the news. (laughs) She wasn't interested in how uh, and what forms the ego was expressing itself. She kept firmly focused in uh, her awakening. And, say, firmly focused on supporting others in awakening. And um, and I always thought that was irresponsible of her because I felt like she wasn't keeping her finger on the pulse of what, you know, people were concerned about. But she sort of always knew that people are will always be concerned about the same things. And she really kept um, in alignment with her true desire to release the illusion and now i see with more uh with more experience i see the benefit in that in her awakening she's supporting the awakening of the entire planet so it wasn't just fixing whatever the next you know big mess was it was going beyond that in her commitment to allowing her true self to come forth, then she was able to understand more clearly and see the innocence in everyone. The innocence in everyone. And what I appreciate about Reverend Roxy, who's my counselor, is She has a very lighthearted approach to the same process. And she sort of was like, she has this really fun sort of, she sees the innocence in everyone, but she sees the innocence in the anger. She acknowledges that everyone is a perfect expression of the divine and sees that even in like their violent tendencies, there's innocence within that and can forgive so easily what we would say were the missteps or the, um, the evils in others. And is just flooding the world, flooding her life, her life, with love through her willingness to forgive herself, to forgive everyone. And that's by seeing, by seeing the innocence in all And so forgiveness is the tool in which we do this. Forgiveness is the tool in which we transcend
1: the illusions of the ego and allow enlightenment to express
0: as our life. And we see the enlightenment potential in all. So... Next module, when we dive into the Course in Miracles and we begin to look at teachings in Manual for Teacher about the last judgment, about how the world will end, it's all about the last judgment isn't anything bad. The last judgment is we get to be judged for who we actually are. So we're judged as perfect, whole, and complete. We're judged as, through the eyes of God, as perfectly innocent, as extensions of him. <laughs> and the ending of the world, it's not its not the ending of the world. It's the awakening to our truth. So it's releasing the world, no longer necessary. And i uh, it's just reiterated to me, the teaching from A Course of Love, why I wanted to share that with you is it just reminded me of why we do what we do and encouraged me to take everyone out of the box, to release all of my relationships, all of my judgments, to especially around myself so that I can focus on, keep my mind focused on love, and so, sorry, I just dropped my phone, hold on, let me put my headset back in, and so that five-minute exercise we did today, the just resting in enlightenment, quieting the mind, and just, you know, Course in Miracles would, would say, you know, just see, you know, just be Jesus, just rest in Jesus as Jesus and hand it over and be Jesus as you walk through your day. Be the Christ consciousness as you walk through your day. And just spending that five minutes with that clarity is all that's necessary to begin to shift the awareness. So, I'd like to talk a little bit about the forgiveness letters um, because a lot of the forgiveness letters to the self we're about coming up short, not feeling like you have achieved what you 're supposed to achieve, or um, not quite living up to your potential and i 'd like to explore that, really explore that because I feel as though um, that 's definitely something i 'm very well versed in that belief that belief that you're not living i 'm not living up to my potential. But I really contemplated that this week, especially because, um, you know, reading the forgiveness letters, having these conversations, feeling like I wasn't living much to my potential, and then having a shift uh, a- around how I hold that to really ask myself, is that true? <laughs> and what is your potential? And are you confusing your potential? You know, are you confusing that? Maybe get a little more clarity around what that actually is. So all together, let's take a deep breath in and breathe out. And I invited everybody to bring your forgiveness letters to the group. And let's just, you know, oh, I, I wanted to say, too, it's been one year, guys. We're, it's, this is our one-year anniversary of walking the path together. So happy anniversary, everyone. What a wonderful um, adventure it is um, and how much I've just loved getting to know you guys on such a deep level, oh, and I just really am, I've said this, I've shared this in the e- email form, but to say it again, that this group particularly particular, like each group has its own personality, I feel like this group is the group that just goes there, <laughs> like without, with very little um, sort of uh, push, you guys really are just, are I can tell that you're ready to just do this work, to get it get her done, to move through the BS so you can release it, put it in the fire forever. But uh your willingness to just be authentic and transparent is really so inspiring, guys. Um I've learned so much working with you guys and I'm just um I'm really honored to uh to be here with you. So so I'm going to um invite Uh, Whoever would like to go first to, um, one, share your experience of writing your forgiveness letter, talk about what came up for you, and then share the letter. And then we'll all talk about it as a group, and then we'll move on to the next person. Okay? So just share your experience, uh, share the letter, and then we'll all um, talk about it a little bit. So who would like to go first?
3: Does it matter if it's the letter to the self or the letter to the other person?
0: Um, I would prefer that we start with the letter to the self, if possible. But if you really feel like you
1: want to share the letter to the other person, that's all good. Okay, well, I will – I would like to share the letter that I wrote
3: to the other person. Um, Mike, this was the letter that I wrote at the retreat, and pretty much exactly what you're saying, like, I really have avoided, you know, try to avoid the really heavy work. But we were at the retreat, and I was feeling – you know, like, going there. So I feel like I really went there on this one. And my experience of writing it was just, uh, I was very self-conscious about losing it in front of the group. So I did remove myself from the room and found a, a private room to write this letter. Cool. Um, yeah, so here it goes. Dear God. I feel angry that you did not allow me my pregnancy to be fulfilled. I often wish and wonder why it couldn't be. I think that you made a mistake. I should have had 12
1: years now. With my family.
3: I feel afraid that I will never have a child. I feel afraid that I'm missing something. I feel afraid that there is something wrong with me. I feel hurt that maybe you didn't trust me or that I wasn't good enough. I feel hurt that my body seemed not to do its job. I feel hurt that so many others
2: got to have them. (laughs)
3: And I feel like I haven't learned anything from this. I feel sad that my sister had to endure the same fate three times after a terrible experience of having to give her first one up. I feel like you made a mistake. And I'm not sure how to fully trust you. I can't see any reason to deny our family its expansion. I accept that my child was lost that the child assigned to me wasn't ready, and that it's for a reason. I accept that I'm currently childless. I accept that being a mother may or may not be in in your plan for my life. The deep desire of my heart now is to reconcile this with you and forgive you so that I can forward my spiritual practice and stand in your perfection. What I'm asking for you now is to fill me with your perfect love to push away the anger and resentment I have for you. What I'm asking for help from you now is to remove my attachment to being a mother so that I can be fully available to the true purpose of my life. I'm grateful that you don't judge me for my resentment and that you love me fully. My loving and perfect intention going forward is to share your magnitude of perfection, your magnitude and your perfection, and the lesson that everything does happen for a reason. The end.
1: Hmm. Beautiful, Jen. Let's all just take a minute and let's just see Jennifer surrounded, enveloped in light, bright white light, and let's feel ourselves also surrounded, enveloped, and saturated in this light. So, Jennifer, how does it feel to read that out loud?
3: You know, I don't like it. Um, but it's this this one topic, you know, that it's just every time it comes up, I'm just a total mess. You know, I just cry at the drop of one thought about it. So I know it's something that I really need to look at. And how applicable that it's Mother's Day weekend, you know?
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
3: And I struggled writing. I did try to do the homework a couple times, you know, a time or two, but I really struggled to find anything that I felt like I needed to work on more than I need to work on this. And sort of everything seems really small in comparison to this
1: Mhm. Yeah, I hear that. I feel that for you for sure. So would you like to work on it a little bit or would you like to just take a moment
0: and um and uh have other people share with you? Yeah,
3: I mean, I just wanted to fully participate in the class today, and so whatever the cost is, I'm mm-hmm. willing.
2: Beautiful.
0: So I love that. Um, uh, I love that you're willing to to do it because uh, to look at the the thing, the belief that really has created. Uh, a barrier between you and um, you know that big block it's like we talked about removing the block to the awareness of love's
2: presence
0: and um, in the Ernest Holmes work, we even use that analogy of like the boulders that prevent the stream from flowing fully, so this is like a big boulder that we can um, uh, begin to roll away, which I think is really beautiful and really powerful. So thank you for sharing so honestly with us. And so what is the most, what makes you the most angry when you think about it? What is the, you know, you you said in your forgiveness letter that God took away the kid, took away the opportunity to be a mother. Um... And that what I feel like it would be the most powerful way to have this conversation is by doing the Byron Katie work. And to really look at, you know, I'm angry at God because he took away my child.
1: And I would ask you, is that true? Right.
3: And i it's, I guess, you know, yeah, I'm not, I think the statement might be more like, I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily, you know, I, I struggle with the statement that I'm angry with God, you know, I, I just, it's just this like, just this sense of loss that something is gone that I should have.
1: Beautiful.
0: So let's pause there. I should have had that baby. Is it true? No.
3: I mean, no, because I didn't have one, right? I'm...
0: Can you give me three examples of why you shouldn't have had the baby 12 years ago?
3: I mean, the things that come to mind is that the guy that was the father was a real huge bag and so I would have had to have spent my whole life dealing with that um since then you know in this last 12 years I've really been on a path a different path a more spiritual path which you know if I was dealing with a baby and a baby daddy and all that I don't know if I ever would have made it
1: to where I am today um And um, that's—I can't
3: really think of a third one.
1: hmm Um,
0: what would being a mother
1: give you? What would that mean about you? What do you think about it? What does a child give a parent?
3: Well, I believe that... You know, it's... I do believe that having a child is really the only, like, the highest level that you can experience love on this in this life.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So I do mm-hmm. feel... Sometimes, like, my capability of loving is limited because I don't know what that's like.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And what about, what does a kid give you? What does a child give its parent,
1: a loving parent?
3: Unconditional love.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Right. And so, in a sense, is there, do you,
0: feel like there might be a belief that you lost your opportunity to be
1: unconditionally loved.
3: Yes, and also to experience the magnitude of returning that unconditional love.
2: Mhm.
1: Yeah. And is that true? is the love that a parent has for a child the ultimate love?
3: I mean, in my head, that is true.
1: hmm hmm I would say that
0: that's where some of the work seems like it will be around, is really asking yourself, is it true that you know, the love that a child has for a parent, the ultimate love, and have I created a story around that to give myself permission to not fully engage in my other relationships? Got it. Because if there's a belief that, well, that's the ultimate love, I'll never experience that, then... Doesn't that put like a little bit of um, a limitation on the other ways that, the other people you're connecting with, the other relationships? Because God is expressed in relationships. That's where God lives, is in relationships. Right. And
1: beginning with, absolutely beginning with yourself.
3: I definitely feel like my capability to express love is greater than I currently, the current level that I engage at.
1: Mm-hmm. I never really thought to think why. Mm hmm. We're exploring radical forgiveness
0: now, and there's an element of radical forgiveness that's, uh, that is talking about how on the soul level, people do things, you know, to us to support us in healing a belief system, correct? Yes. Yeah. Right. So that, like, maybe someone will show up as a cheating spouse so you can heal a belief in unworthiness. So why would that be limited to just adults? What if this on a soul level this child came into your experience as a gift and left your experience as a greater gift to support you in healing a belief
1: a deep-rooted belief that you have?
3: Yeah, I mean in the context of the work that seems You know, that's very possible.
0: Now, even consider, like, how you hold that. Like, you're very smart, Jennifer O'Brien. You're very, very intelligent. And so I hear how you create uh, a way out for yourself. (laughs) You say, yes, in this context, I do believe that. But what if this context was the only context? What if we allowed ourselves, gave ourselves permission to live in spiritual reality and trust that you live in a loving universe? And God is not an archetype, some Santa Claus archetype outside of you, separate from you, that punishes you or, or blesses you that there's no, nothing being taken away and nothing being given that isn't already there. Everything is working for you. So if you had to get really honest with yourself, and not just in the context of this teaching, what is it? What was the gift? What came up for you? What belief
1: system was triggered in in the relationship that you had with your child?
2: I mean,
3: I've been, I'm very challenged by, you know, there's, there's lots of challenges to work through, and I'm often a person who doesn't feel very challenged, so, mm-hmm. you know, here it is. What by is what, it? What is the challenge?
2: Yeah, what is it?
3: I mean, it's just the challenge of feeling loss and anger and being able to
1: understand a level, you know, being able
3: to understand a level of pain that,
1: you know, I hadn't experienced before. Mm-hmm. I certainly feel more
3: empathetic and compassionate to people who have experienced great love,
1: pain. Mm-hmm. And what if the baby never left?
0: What if, and I'm not saying that the baby, like you birthed it in in the physical sense, but what if the baby is still here with you? What if the baby's never left you? And all you have to do is talk to it in order to connect with it.
1: What if that unconditional love has always been with
0: you. And the capacity to share that unconditional love is with you now. There's nothing that you have to prove to get it. There's nothing you have to accomplish to get it. There's nothing... There's no... There's no pounds you have to lose. There's no physical healing that needs to occur. There's no salary or accomplishment you have to get in order to make you worthy of love. That that worthiness, that unconditional
1: love is with you now. Take a minute. Close your eyes, Jennifer. Place a hand on your heart. Take a deep breath in. And keep your eyes closed and just take a minute and talk to that baby and just tell the baby how much you love the baby and thank the baby for loving you. I'm going to invite you to do this out loud when you're ready. We're all holding the space for you. I don't think I can do that. Just breathe. Just breathe in. You're so safe there. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to be anything with us. We know who you are. I just don't know what to say. How about I love you? It feels dangerous to.
3: It feels dangerous to make it real. You know, by addressing things directly.
0: Mm, what's what's dangerous? Why dangerous?
3: It just feels safer to not. You know, nobody in my life really knows about this situation. And so it seems easier to just keep
1: it in the past
3: as a, you know, to not address the fact that you know, to, to look at it as a failed pregnancy and not to look at it as a person.
1: hmm And yet, you just shared,
0: like, the gravity of the experience in your life.
1: It's It's completely altered your relationship with God. So... To
0: decide to keep it in the past is really a decision to keep it right here and now, ever-present, because until you look back in the past with love, then it's with you. That's where the belief systems are created. So it's a whole way of connecting with, I mean, if it's how you connect with God, then it's how you connect with everything, so in keeping it in the past. It's completely shifted your perception in everything. Nothing has not been, so it's not really a secret.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm just making excuses not to do it. Yeah,
2: I know. (laughs) I know.
0: So let's just try one more time, and then we can move on. So let's just close your eyes one more time. I'm going to invite everyone to close your eyes and really hold space for Jen. And let's all place a hand in our heart. And again, just see Jen surrounded with love and see Jen happy. And feel the essence and the spirit of this beautiful baby that had the perfect life, the most complete, perfect life. And gift in love Jen for so much to gift her this experience so she can be here and now and step into her truth, her greatness. So, Jen, I'll just give you a minute to just take a deep breath and really feel it and just allow whatever that needs to come up to come up. And
1: we'll trust that it's perfect and it is perfect healing unfolding for you. The Great. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. And I thank you. Let's try that a couple more times.
3: I love you, I'm sorry, I forgive you, and I thank you.
0: I'm invite you to take a breath, Jen, and feel it
1: all the way in your diaphragm. Breathe it in from your heart. I One love time. you. Mm-hmm. I love you.
3: Forgive you. I'm sorry. And I
1: thank you. And now one more time, and in this last time that we'll do it, I invite you to see not only the baby, but yourself. I love you, I'm sorry, I forgive you, and I thank you. And take a deep breath in. Uh,
0: So, I feel like we're just scratching the surface, Jen, and I think we made a huge, huge step today. And that, again, I really just bow to your willingness to be so authentic with us. Really beautiful to experience that. And um, and I'm also going to suggest that maybe you and I connect one-on-one and talk a little bit more about this and create sort of maybe some stuff that we get some work around it. And I'm sure we'll revisit it in class. Um, and uh, it's really beautiful, beautiful work, beautiful work. And uh, I'm going to invite everyone to take, uh, just take a three-minute break today. Um, And uh, I think we'll stick with some of the forgiveness letter work, Um, unless you guys feel adamantly about going to the book work. Um, So let's just take three minutes. Uh, It's 9.38. I'll see you
1: back in 9.41. Stretch your legs, refill your water, go potty, and we'll be right back. Okay, crew, we are back. So um, I'd like to just take a quick poll with everyone. Uh, We can go into uh,
0: the reading from Radical Forgiveness, or we can um, continue to do some process work with the Forgiveness Letters.
1: Um, Brandon, what's your vote for? Um, book? Book? Okay. Mark? Letter. Letters? Okay. Uh, Silky? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Did you say Do letters? The letters. Oh. Letters, okay.
2: Yes. <laughs> you
0: said, are you there? Okay, and... Uh, yes, I'm here. <laughs> and Jennifer? Letters. Letters, okay. Okay, so we'll uh, continue the work around the letters. Um, how about one of the
1: gentlemen? Would one of the gentlemen like to go? Can I change my answer now? <laughs>
0: All right. I'll
2: this this
0: this gets to be a joyful experience too, guys. It We don't have to. Um, you know, <laughs> it's not. This it's not necessarily going to be the same experience. Even though I feel the experience with Jennifer was perfect and joyful too. But uh, you know, it, every everybody's going to be different. So um, we'll just continue to go forward with. Uh, uh, curiosity and courage. So, Mark, why don't you share first what was your experience writing the letter and um, any takeaways you have, and then you can share the letter.
4: Um, you know, when we were given the assignment to write the letter, honestly, my first response was like, oh, got to write another one of these forgiveness letters because um, <laughs> I feel like, uh, I don't know, we've we've written a bunch, and, and that's great. Um, I've also, you know, kind of have found that, for me, the process of the forgiveness letter um, has been, it's been interesting, but it hasn't always been exceptionally profound for me. Um, just because I, you know, I, I kind of know where it's going. So it's, I, I don't know, for me, sometimes it's kind of hard to really see the depth of it because I know, I always know what the turnaround is going to be at the end. Um with that said, um, when you had kind of suggested that we do a forgiveness letters to for ourselves, I was like, okay, well, this will be different because I, have, I haven't I have done that yet. And at first I was really like, I don't know what, what I need to forgive myself for. Um, and then, you know, maybe about five minutes after that, I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe there is something. So my experience in going through this was really started as kind of like, oh, there's a little something I guess I could talk about, to it really just opening such um, a significant conversation for me. Um, That really has been so front and center for me these last couple weeks. Um, So that was my experience and kind of high-level takeaways of, of going through the forgiveness letter process. Um, And then I guess I will share my forgiveness letter now. Okay. So, I feel angry that I keep living life as a shadow of my most authentic self. Though I know there is deep value in how I currently show up in the world, it's only the tip of an iceberg that is my true authentic self that continues to elude me. And as I become ever more self-aware, the depth of that iceberg that remains under the water becomes ever more apparent. This leads to feelings of frustration to outright rage at myself. I feel afraid that I've always that I've already wasted too much time and that I will never truly arrive in living my most authentic self. On one hand, I recognize that I've achieved more self-awareness and growth than probably most will experience in their entire lifetime. But as someone who has seen things for and about himself since a young age, I feel like I should have achieved such a higher level of mastery by now. I see 20-year-olds who are absolutely inspiring and in living life so boldly and authentically and keep feeling that, I was supposed, that that was supposed to be me. But I somehow missed the train. And now it's too late. I feel hurt that I make comfort and security more important than living most powerful and joyously. Though my anger will often motivate me to finally get focused on living my most authentic self, it only lasts for a short time, sometimes only minutes, before I'm right back in the ego's thought process of focusing on that which is most comfortable or most focused on security. And while this often happens without my realizing it, and when I do realize and I'm observing what I'm doing, I still often choose that comfort and security now, believing that I will focus on the more powerful path later. And of course, I never do. It's like saying I promise to commit to myself and then never do. And if I don't do that for myself, who else ever will? I feel sad that my life still feels largely unfulfilled. Though I certainly have moments and experiences of fulfillment, when I reflect on my life as a whole, there is a sadness of having missed something or missed out on something. And while I, of course, continue to push on, there is still an essence of an underlying resignation behind the scenes that it's hopeless cause and that I'll never get it. I accept that I have not truly lived my most authentic self. I know that my greatest good is always unfolding and that any perception of not having lived my most authentic self as being wrong is simply a story generated by my ego. The journey I signed up for is the exact journey I'm experiencing. It's only my ego that would have me believe otherwise. I accept that I'm still figuring out what my most authentic self looks like in the world and how to live it. Accepting and embracing where I'm at is the only way out of suffering. And since suffering is not on my list of living my most authentic self, if all I do is master this one practice, it will get me one step closer towards my goal. The deep desire in my heart now is to finally step into being my most authentic self. While I still have no clue how, when, where I'm going to finally do this, I know that it is my deepest desire, and I'm willing to stand in that and claim that to the universe. What I'm doing to support myself now is self-inquiry and practice the aspects of my most authentic self when I experience the consciousness to do so without judgment. In other words, continue to do what I'm doing, but do so without attachment to how I think it should look, feel, progress, or otherwise. I know not what anything is for. And so, too, I know not why I feel I'm not making progress. But I'm open to not making progress as being the very best thing for me since that's the experience I'm currently having. What I'm asking for myself now is focus and patience. Focus in that I stay ingrained in my commitment to my practice even when it is uncomfortable or feels insecure, Um, that I don't allow myself to easily get distracted at times and on things that I do have the wherewithal today to overcome and patience in releasing my attachment to my living my most authentic self in a particular time frame to be equally grateful and joyous when my progression towards the mastery is moving and when it is appearing to not move. What I'm asking for help from the universe now is the mental wherewithal to actually make living my most authentic self my only priority in practice. I honor how powerful my ego truly is. I know my true self is more powerful than my ego. But inside the confines of my head, my true self isn't always easily accessible, even when I want it to be. Literally, it can feel impossible at times to overcome the thought process of my ego. In those times, which may be often, I ask for the help in naturally disempowering those ego thoughts so I can have enough space to access the thoughts of my true authentic self It's most interested in focusing on. I'm grateful that I've come so far in my self-awareness and practice. While honoring all that I've stated above, I do equally recognize and honor how far I've come over the years. In many respects, I feel like I've transformed multiple times in this one lifetime from a shy, insecure child to an angry, depressed teenager to an aggressive, driven professional to a humble, spiritual journeyman. My life has been adventurous and expansive in many ways, and I'm grateful for that. My loving and powerful intention going forward is true breakthrough, and maybe that breakthrough is letting go of having breakthrough. I don't know. However, what I do know is that what I intend most is that I reach a critical mass or a turning point where the majority of my thoughts and how I show up in the world is truly aligned with my most authentic self, rather than mostly being experienced as random, uncontrolled thoughts and behaviors powered by my ego mind.
2: Okay. <clears throat> um,
0: that was a lot. Um, I <laughs> it was it was a lot. Uh, it definitely like had like it, it, real insights of your inner workings, which is um, I really appreciated about it. So let me ask you this: What is your
4: authentic self? What do you mean by that? You know, I'm kind of like asking, what is God? It's, it, it's somewhat hard for me to put into words. It's more of a, a feeling. It's, it's just a being purely just joyous and happy and pleasant.
0: That's
4: exactly.
0: My <laughs> I was going to, my suggestion, if I may offer something, is what it sounded like is what you're interested in is just being happy. You're just interested yeah. in being ha- feeling happy,
4: right? Yeah. So, and um, and exp- expressing that. Yeah. It's, you know. You know, it's like I can feel happy. Sometimes I'm happy on the inside, but I'm still kind of agitated on the outside with other people. Um, in a weird way, so like it, it's it's one embodying and experiencing for myself, but it's also sharing that and expressing that with others. yeah so it feels like
0: um I mean that's what forgiveness is is seeing the innocence in others, so releasing your judgments and opinions of others um, and I think with uh the writing on the ego that Colin sabines did in in chapter six, he sort of talks about like the projection that we place onto other people. So true happiness, true happiness is you can't contain it to you. You can't keep keep it contained. That's not the nature of God. The nature of God is to, uh, is to share, to expand. So it feels like what your, your intention is to be truly happy, uh, truly joyful, which is wonderful. It sounds really great. Um, what are, uh, ego thoughts. Your ego thoughts that are really strong. You talked about that. What are some of your ego thoughts that you have to that move through that creates
1: upset and stress in your life?
4: Constant judgment of anything and everything. Um, I mean, it, I mean, it, it, that, that's what it is. I mean, it's just I'm so constantly assessing everything without even an intention of doing it. There's just a constant assessment always going on for me and and, and that takes me out of being present. I'm assessing what someone's saying, what someone's not saying. I'm assessing where I'm going, where I've been. It's like it can be so challenging for me to just
1: be with what is right now right in front of me. And that for Mm. me is that
4: place of just being with what's right in front of me right now without judgment and just experiencing it that's
1: happiness hmm.
2: so
0: would you be willing to make peace with your judgmental thinking? Would you be willing to see the innocence in your in your judgments, and your assessments.
1: Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that,
0: well, I know just from my own experience um, that in accepting it instead of, you know, uh, resisting it and the acceptance of it brings you to the present moment. Your acceptance, the acceptance, our acceptance allows us to be present, fully present. So if you can accept that, oh, I'm judging. (laughs) There it goes. And instead of resisting it, then what can unfold is less um, conflict, less inner dialogue. And that's what's pulling me out, is the judgment of the judging. And... It feels like, you know, clear intention, clear intention on, um, you know, willingness to be truly happy and accepting that you're judging people, and seeing the innocence in it, creates the container of having a really joyful experience and healing it, healing separation. Um, I know, I think it was Jennifer. That gave, it was, I had a, yeah, I believe it was Jennifer that gave her judgmental thoughts like a funny voice. No, it was Jacob. It was Jacob Glass. He gave his, uh, he gave his judgmental thoughts a character. It was like his crazy uncle something. And every time the judgmental thoughts would come up, instead of being like, oh, I've got to stop this. I'm not, God, oh, why am I doing this? You'd be like, oh, here comes crazy Uncle Albert judging away. And it was just his, the tool he used to develop a loving relationship with it. So he wouldn't be judging it as something bad. And then what began to happen is it just happened less and less because he wasn't so invested in, you know, uh, in the punishment element. He realized that he was sort of addicted to being in conflict. He was addicted to judging himself, which then therefore expressed, you know, projected us to judging other people. And so the less the more that he released judgment of himself by creating ways to accept it in a joyful, fun, loving, playful way, then the healing process became playful. And then the other gift was he was expressing, he was sharing, like you said, he was sharing that happiness by not letting other people's, you know, he took everybody else out of the box. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, it does. You know, this is, Bringing up for me, as you were talking is bringing up for me the um ironically the uh chapter six, I think it was that we read in radical forgiveness um around uh you know is the ego kind of like you know our best friend or is it our enemy um and the different perspectives on that, and you know you said the word acceptance, which for me is it's always a word I have pause with um, because I pause with it because to date, in my experience of the word acceptance, it's usually a, it's it's still in the realm for me of that you're kind of top, it's still in the toleration realm for me. Like, okay, I, I accept it, but in truth, really in the background, I still don't want it, um, but I'm accepting it. And I really would like to get to a point where I, I can I can experience what you're referring to, and I know this is what you're talking into, is, is experiencing acceptance as as a good thing. experience acceptance not as like accepting something for the way it is, but actually welcoming it and being grateful for it and, and seeing the joy and value and greatness in it. Um, and I I really felt connected to the, the reading around that, that second part, the other version of looking at your ego and your relationship with it. And it's it actually, it's here as your friend. It's actually supporting you. So looking at the judgments that I'm having um, and being able to see them as supporting me, that those judgments are actually good, that they are for my greatest good, um, and that they're just giving me a, a continued playground to explore. in. Um, that for me is like where I really want to get to. Um, and so that is, that is what I want to try to, I, I intend to move more towards. Mm-hmm. Well, just to clarify, the acceptance
0: isn't, I, I don't feel like it's in the realm of tolerance because acceptance isn't saying, oh, it's fine. It's accepting what is. It's not, it's not taking yourself out by thinking that something else should be happening. The truth is you're judging people. So you can accept that. I accept that I judge people. It's it's a habit that I picked up along the way. It's something that as uh, well uh, I have sort of mastered the art of it. But it's not bringing you joy because it, the judgment is always you're separating yourself from other people and you're seeing something that isn't there. So, but it, you can accept that it's happening. It's like Byron Katie work. It's not arguing with reality. It's not it's not saying oh it. This is, I love this, but I'm judging it's just accepting that it's happening,
2: <clears throat>
0: and then, in that acceptance, it brings you to the being present, so you're fully present and you're not judging yourself from again like sort of like what Reverend Roxy was talking about from last week this idea this 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 i this fantasy of what the authentic self the authentic mark looks like, judging Mark today because he's not there and um then in the acceptance developing tools, you know, having tools to work with it so it doesn't feel torturous, so we can be joyful while doing the work. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, it, it does. I, I totally get I totally get what you're saying. I guess what I was kind of more reflecting on was the the emotional experience of the conversation of acceptance which I totally get it, in, in the objective, non-emotional space, I, I get the, the concept of it. I was just saying, for where I'm at in my journey, I feel there's still this underlying feeling. For example, I'll use my mother example. So I've learned to accept my mother for being the way that she is in many different ways that she is. I've learned to accept that. And in, you're absolutely right. It brings me to being present. It brings me to having clarity in my relationship with her um, and, and being empowered because then, then I can make choices from that place. Um, yet at the same time, I also kind of stop and say, well, do I equally accept when she's being loving with me? Or is my acceptance only when she's doing things that are not what I like? And that's what I'm saying is acceptance tends to be a tool that comes in when there's something that you don't like. And I would like to kind of transform that, that acceptance isn't just a tool that you bring in when something's kind of quote-unquote wrong for you, but acceptance is something you bring in even when things are right for you and you're experiencing something really joyful, being able to accept that as equally as the thing that doesn't feel so joyful. And I think that's the space I, I want to I move more toward.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, acceptance is acceptance,
0: no matter what's unfolding. The practice is accepting what's unfolding, and it can be accepting the joy, or it can be accepting that something isn't the way that you want it to be. And then again, that just goes back to being fully present to whatever is unfolding right here and now. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Beautiful work, Mark. Really. uh, You know, I encourage you to just get more clarity, Uh, and, and I would even say. Um, if there's any space that you can just create, just simplify too. create a uh, be willing to be, have that beginner's mind with some of this work. I know you have a lot of experience and training as a coach and stuff like that and sometimes that can make it more complicated for us. We can over complicate things. And so I would just I'd, I'd really encourage you to, you know, um, in your exploration of, well, what is the authentic self? I think we uncovered that really it's just your desire, your heart's true desire to be happy, to be truly happy, to share that, to express that. And so possibly create some affirmation work or something around that that you can use, just, you know, allowing yourself to, I'm willing to be happy. I'm willing to share it. I'm willing to be present. I'm willing to be in full acceptance of who I am and what's of my experience. And I'm willing to give and receive love. I am willing. I am willing. I am willing. And just see what unfolds. But beautiful, beautiful work. Yeah, for sure. Okay, team. So let's... uh I feel like it is time to open up the book and we'll conclude by uh, exploring a little bit of um, the chapter that we read, The Mechanisms of the Ego, um, what Mark was uh, referring to. So, um, Brandon, what was your takeaways from the reading? Um, I know that we... uh, uh, In the initial assumptions that we read, uh, that there was, uh, you paused a bit while he was referring to the ego. I was wondering what your thoughts were on his writing in chapter six. I paused when? Oh, when we were, I I remember initially I I laughed because I. The, the place where I always pause, and I'm always like, mm, I don't know if oh, I that.
2: You sort of <laughs> did, too. Yeah.
0: And uh, I remember, actually, the first time we, we did this work, I actually had them skip over the reading on the ego because I wasn't into it. Um, right. I wasn't into it at all. But um, in reading it this time, I, I'm a little more open and interested in hearing what your guys' perception is.
5: So what were your takeaways? Um, Well, I think my favorite line in this whole chapter is in the last paragraph on the last page, and it says, maybe they are two different things. I don't know. It really doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, Because for me, it's it's like on some days, one is going to feel like it makes more sense in regards to the ego as an enemy, as opposed to the ego as a loving guide. But um, one's going to feel like I need to get the ego out of the way some days. And some days it's going to be like, oh, aren't you adorable? Thank you for pointing me in that direction. Um, But in general, I'm leaning towards uh, not making the ego more than it needs to be. So I think it's probably uh, a mix between the two kind of what he was trying to do in this chapter. And for me, it's, you know, I go back to our subconscious mind stuff and just knowing that, you know, these thoughts are just passing me by and I don't need, I just need to let them pass through me. Um, and I, I get stuck when I have a thought that's passing through that I just want to like run with and I'm suddenly away from the present moment again. So, um, yeah. So I guess that's my full on takeaway from chapter six, I think. Brandon, that
0: was some of the most brilliant shit that's ever been shared in any of our practitioner
4: classes ever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it is, It drives me crazy. Well, it used to drive my analytical mind batshit crazy when, um, Jacob would say, I don't know. Does it work for you? Okay. Well then it works for you. I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) I need to know. I need to know the factual truth. And he's like, eh, good luck with that. (laughs) And it would drive me nuts. And, um, Jennifer began this practice with her students that I sort of uh, have really taken on in my life, which I feel like at times makes me a really boring spiritual student. But uh, she said to operate on a need-to-know basis. Like, I'm operating on a need-to-know basis, meaning I don't have to sit and contemplate and try to figure everything out, you know, all of the intricacies, all of the... Um, different many levels, and it really comes down to so often. If it works for you, use it. If it works for you, use it. And um, I have that part highlighted in my book too. That <laughs> you said your favorite line towards the end. It's like I
5: don't know. I mean, I don't even know if it matters. It doesn't really matter.
0: and I was like oh my god you're so right like because the ego is something that we could so sit and just like talk about and talk about and talk about and try to understand all the intricate like weavings of how it operates and I mean okay but my thought is and what I'm beginning to really um, understand for my practice is and it was actually part of the Ernest Holmes teaching focus on the intention. How do you intend to feel? What is it that you're interested in feeling? Focus on that, and that will lead you to wherever you need to go. Whatever healing needs to come up in order for you to stay in alignment with, like Mark was saying, just pure happiness, being happy, whatever needs to come up to the surface to prove it. So the blocks, so you can remove it, will present itself but we don't necessarily have to dive in to the depths of you know how it, what is it that's coming up for me like what how, how is it exactly coming up for me that's keeping me upset or sad like what is it is it you know what trauma is it what is it now if it needs to come up so you can address it it will and that's sort of what i think radical forgiveness is talking about is is don't worry about healing what needs to be healed it will happen it will happen through your relationship um, but, yeah, I, I really loved that. And, again, I, I do feel like hold it however you need to hold it. And I almost don't want to share, like, what how I really view it, what I lean more towards, because I'm not sure if it necessarily matters, because we all have divine wisdom within us. And so whatever resonates with you, and the thing is, and this is what I know, is it will probably change, too, and then we'll change back, and then we'll change back um, as you continue to do this work. But, um, yeah, I I really, really loved your share, Brandon. It was really great. So, Keith, do you have anything you'd like to share on Chapter
1: 6? Can you hear me? I can. Hello?
6: Hey, um... Chapter six, what I love is we need the ego to help us to fulfill our mission. (laughs) It is embracing humanity that meets my divinity. I know it's the ego that takes me away from my present moment. It takes me back to my past, and it takes me... To tomorrow, that is not yet here. But right here, right now, whenever I experience those uh, voices in my head, which I know it's the ego that uh, judges myself, it's the ego that separates me from my source. And I just have to remind myself to plug myself again to the floor and be radically alive at the present moment. So now I'm learning to talk to my ego and whenever it happens, it it comes to my mind. I say, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing. And I switch on again It's like, you know, what what Marianne Williamson is saying. When you're in a dark room, just switch on the light. And fear negativity is gone. Switch to the love. Switch to radically being alive with all my senses. My touch, my smell, the texture, the rhythm of being fully alive at the present moment. So I need my ego to
2: fulfill my mission and to feel that I'm alive. And that's where I meet my visibility. Beautiful,
0: yeah. Again, it's that idea of radical acceptance. It always brings us back to the present moment. And I think all the work that we do, all the tools that we um, bring into our toolkit, they're all to support us in being present. And we have to ask ourselves: Is there any different, any difference from being present and being? And so that's why I feel like the um, practice of uh, mindfulness, the mindfulness meditation, which is why I really um, focus on that, uh, t- teaching people that, and inspire and making that available because. Mindfulness is the practice of being fully present without judgment, simply observing. So what Brandon was saying before, which was so spot on, was you can observe what comes up without having to attach to it and make it your reality. Because I think that the most advanced masters in the world, the people that we you know, acknowledge as you know, spiritual masters and stuff, they they have the same thoughts we do. we do, you know. If we're all interconnected, they're, the same thoughts are filtering through them. They're just not attaching to them. They're not making them real. And it's like what Byron Katie said, is when we believe the thoughts, that's when we begin to suffer. So it's in releasing our attachment to them, that's freedom. That's where that true happiness resides. And so how can we begin to support ourselves in doing just that. Forgiveness is a brilliant, beautiful tool that we can utilize. I think forgiveness is the tool that we can utilize to releasing our story from the past, releasing the story that we have about ourselves, those judgments and opinions that keep us out of the present moment, um, and be able to use that to uh, set ourselves free Align with our, like Mark was saying, his authentic self, his joyful self. God's will for us is perfect happiness. So how do we know we're in alignment with God's will? We're happy. We're happy. It gets to be that simple. That was, uh, you know, it takes me back to that, my story that, hey, I had lunch with Jacob and I went to him. I was reading um, some really, uh, you know, heady spiritual stuff about, you know, the holographic universe and the great illusion and all that stuff. And I sat down and I was, like, processing with him. And I'm like, so am I being dreamt or am I part of the dream? Am I the dreamer? You know, and he was just, like, he was just listening to me and eating his salad and drinking his wine. And after I ran out of gas, I was like, so? Well, what do you think? And he goes, oh, honey, I don't know. He goes, what are you doing today to be peaceful? And I was like, what? He's like, well, yeah. What are you doing today to be happy? I was like, that's it. That's what it's really all about. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, well, you come to the wrong person to have those esoteric conversations with. (laughs) But he was so right. My ego, I don't want to say my ego mind because it makes it like zero, but the ego mind loves to analyze. It's very analytical. Spirit accepts and allows. So working on that need-to-know basis is being just fully present. What do I need to know here and now? What is it that I need? You guide me, Holy Spirit. You guide me. Help me see through your eyes. Help me release the judgments. Let me utilize forgiveness so I can see the innocence of my brothers and sisters and myself. That way I can feel the joy and share it, like Mark said earlier. So Mark, Jennifer, um, What were your thoughts on Chapter 6? Is there anything you'd like to add to the conversation?
3: Um, I'll just say, you know, I can see both sides. Um, I use my ego, you know, when I'm feeling discomfort. So I experience stress a lot. I feel like there's never enough time. And it's been a really good, you know, the ego's been a really good indicator. I, I always go there to see, okay, well, why am I stressed? It's always ego based, so what is my ego up to right now, and then I can you know with what i'm learning i can I can kind of look at it from another perspective and say okay well what what is the spiritual approach to that so for example, you know I'm feeling busy all the time wow well, why am i why do I make myself busy because I want to make money? okay, what do I know about the truth? The truth is that everything I need is already provided for, you know and So I use it as like a work back solution to like remind myself of spiritual practices that I'm learning about. So I, on the one hand, it makes me uncomfortable so I can see it as the enemy. But on the other hand, it helps me get back to the truth so
1: I can see it as my friend. Mm hmm This is actually an important conversation to have. Um,
0: one that I really, uh, I remember in my second year working with uh, Jennifer. This is something that I contemplated a lot. The, is the ego, you know, is it an enemy or a friend? Is it neither?
1: Mark, what do you think? If we're in the land of acceptance, it's neither because it just is what it is. Um,
4: and you know, reading that chapter, you know, for me was really was really interesting because I it, it is so in many ways parallel, kind of like what I've known and seen for years. Um, not necessarily in terms of my own ego, but just in terms of like right or wrong you know if we truly believe that everything is always unfolding for our greatest good then equally our ego is unfolding for our greatest good the thoughts our ego is having is unfolding for our greatest good um so how could our ego ever truly be our enemy um so i kind of liked the way that colin had kind of used the enemy concept as kind of like a a historical perspective of kind of like how we got to where we are but then really shifted the conversation into, I guess, that conversation of acceptance of, like, the good that is in that um, and, and really seeing it from that perspective. So um, it's definitely something that felt really
1: resonant for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. The ego is a thought system. It's the thought system of
0: separation. It's a belief system. That's it. We love to give it this sort of monster in the shadow sort of um, characterization. But it's just a thought system. Like any others. And if we've learned anything, especially through the Byron Katie work,
2: you know,
0: are our beliefs true? Are they true? Is the ego real? Is it part of this experience? Absolutely. But is it real? And this is the conversation we'll be definitely having more as we continue our exploration of mysticism, especially with the Course in Miracles. And until then, this week, I invite you to really continue this contemplation. Contemplate in your quiet time. And I do encourage everyone to um make a little space for quiet time during your day. I feel like it's very important to just quiet the mind, just to sit in the presence of the, of the divine. Um, to contemplate this idea and be willing to work on a need-to-know basis. <laughs> I'd like to thank you all for really showing up uh, with uh, guns ablazing today. Really beautiful work. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Mark, for working the process um, of your forgiveness letter work. Uh, Brandon and Silky, we will um, give you guys time to share next week. I think Martha will be on the call as well and Ellie. And uh, I just really love being able to connect with you all. I wanted to read chapter five in Colin Tipping's work together, uh, and I think we still will. Um, so, uh, chapter seven is called Hideouts and scapegoats. Hideouts and scapegoats. And chapter eight is attraction and resonance. So, we're going to read uh, this week. You're going to read both chapter seven and chapter eight. Chapter seven and chapter eight. And, um, uh, please turn in to me a paragraph on each, and then copy and paste that paragraph and put it in the Facebook group so we can dialogue on it. And I encourage everyone to dialogue on the posts that are being shared in the Facebook group. Um, so chapter 7 and chapter 8, a paragraph, at least a paragraph on each, sent to me and posted in the Facebook group. Um, and... That's your homework for this week. Um, We're going to do another forgiveness letter, but we won't do it this week. We'll do it next week because I want to spend a little more time on the ones that we've done already. So, Brandon, why don't you pray us out today? Any questions on the homework? Chapter 7, Chapter 8, at least a paragraph on each. Jennifer O'Brien, what's the homework this week? Chapters 7 and 8,
3: one paragraph on each. You and posted in the Facebook group.
0: Right. One more time, Jennifer. What was that?
3: Chapters 7 and 8, one chapter on each, sent to you and posted in the Facebook group.
0: Awesome. Cool. Can't wait to read your homework this week, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Brandon, you want to pray us out? <coughs> sure.
5: <coughs> All right, everyone.
2: Breathing in the power of God's peace,
1: exhaling that peace. Dear Divine Creator, we
5: thank you so much for gathering here today in like-minded spirit, remembering the truth of who we are. I pray that we release any of the ideas that we had about ourselves that we couldn't expand, we couldn't grow, we couldn't transform, and that we weren't. On our path, I want us to all be able to take forth today the remembering that we are always in route. We are always on our path. We are always expanding into the greater and clearer and more potent and powerful emanations of who we truly are. And we are constantly removing all the layers of illusion so that we may see ourselves and each other clear and clear and clear. And for this, May we be blessed by having an opportunity to bless those around us. And so it is. Amen. Amen.
0: Mm. I love you all so much, and I look forward to connecting
2: with you very soon. Peace and love. Thank you.